Welcome to the Podglomerate. Hello and welcome to Plus 7 Intelligence, the show about how games impact people. My name is Chess. Today I am speaking to one of the creators of This War of Mine. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you've probably heard the name come up a few times. That is because it is just such a great example of a game that can have impact. It's one of the few games that has had a wide reach without ever dulling the intensity of its message. This War of Mine, like many other games, is about war, but not about being a soldier or a general in that war, but about being the people caught in the crossfire. It is a survival game where you lead a group of people trying to stay alive in the midst of a war zone that is raging around them. Your survivors have to deal with scarcity of food and water, hostility from other survivors, and all the mental and emotional stress that comes with the painful decisions made to keep going. I'll be talking with Pavel Michowski from 11-Bit Studios on bringing this groundbreaking game to life. We'll also be talking about the next game from the same creators that again challenges players to ask what they would do to survive. That game is called Frostpunk. When we recorded this, Frostpunk was less than two weeks away from being released, so I'm so grateful that Pavel was able to sit down with me in a time that I'm sure was crazy busy for them. All right, I'm here with Pavel Michowski. He is the senior writer at 11-Bit Studios, which is known for several games, including This War of Mine. They're also working on the upcoming game Frostpunk. So thanks for coming on the show. Hello. Welcome, everyone. Uh, To be precise, I used to be a writer. On Frostpunk, I work on partnerships at 11-Bit. So technically, my position now is partnerships manager. However, uh, I believe we are all developers here at 11-Bit and everybody has some influence over what uh, we are doing. And I I believe I am part of the development. I heard that at the time of this war of mine, the studio was only about 12 people. Is that right? Uh, No, that's not precisely like that. The core team uh, was 12, but we had few other projects being developed at the same time, even including Frostpunk, which was called Industrial at the moment. It it was a working title, plus management guys, plus QA guys. So the team back then was around 30. Mm -hmm. So some of us were jumping from one project to another. another. So let's say say this sort of mine was a half-time job for them, and the other project was the other part. And mm-hmm. so the core team involved, like full time, was was twelve. But it, yeah, like I said, it was changing sometimes. This war of mine obviously made a big splash. How did you decide to create a game that would address such a serious topic as you did about the brutality of war? So exactly, the idea was brought by my brother Grzegorz, who's the CEO at the company. With every project we do brainstorming at the very beginning to find out what we actually want to do. And we had a working prototype that lacked some substantial theme. And Grzegorz brought the idea of creating a game about 
civilians in war, about people trying to survive with all the cost of survival, not only physical, but also emotional. And we find it very inspiring. We knew that it's going to be challenging and, and that we're rather creating a serious experience more than classic entertaining game, like a fun game. But at the same time, we believe that the team is so strong that we definitely want to do it. So the idea ignited the team instantly and we started the work. And what inspiration or research went into the setting and the depiction of the struggle of the characters within the game? Mm -hmm. Well, the entire idea of uh, this world of mine was supposed to be as close to reality as possible. So it was a game being a, I believe, healthy compromise between what game is supposed to be and what is reality. So we tried to stick to reality as much as possible with everything. And like I said, communication, design, and so on. So the research was actually not that challenging because war as a thrilling part of humankind's history is really well documented. So so we're looking for modern conflict of uh, Siege of Sarajevo, of war happen wars happening in our country. So the uprising of Warsaw, um, the events from Second World War in general, uh, the Battle of Grozny, the Siege of Monrovia in Liberia, even looking at what was happening in Syria back in the days. So... We're trying to find stories from people who are good examples of what got stuck in survivors' minds, uh, what emotions were those that they remembered as a as a part of of their life when when surviving war, and then we tried to depict those emotions in the form of specific events in the game or stories of the characters. And the characters itself are supposed to be just regular folks like you and me. So, so we scanned ourselves in 3D and put our own images into the game. And we created characters that are just average people, like a fireman, a mathematician teacher, and people like that. In this game, not only do you depict you know, these struggles and these sufferings, but you present choices to the player on a variety of levels with somewhat abstract things like how they allocate resources and you also put them in kind of pointed moments where you get to choose what's going to happen to to characters on screen. Can you talk about how you approached moral questions in the game and, and how you presented them to the player? Uh, so there was a high-level design idea brought by Michal, who is creative director at 11-bit, that Everything is supposed to be based just on a choice in which you don't know the consequences of a choice and you don't know what you are actually doing in terms of good and evil. So you are put in a situation in which you need to do something, be it take resources, be it decide what to do with people, be even your approach toward other civilians in the game. But then you don't know, you just need to make up a decision. Later on, you learn what have you done by the consequences of your deed. And this way, you can judge yourself, your decision, while the game is not telling you you did right or wrong. And in such an environment, 
it's easy to to bring, let's say, a feeling of remorse because you may have done something wrong. But it's not exactly like that, that you're not knowing what you're doing. It's rather you don't know what is sacrificed in terms of what you're doing. So either if you are hurting your people or others, this is what you're quickly learning. And I believe it's because that's how reality of war is looking like. And it's kind of well translated into game. Were there other games or other media that you look to as, or let me rephrase that. Are there are there games out there that you look to as inspiration for for how the game was designed? Because not many games take on such a serious tone and present such serious choices to players. Well, serious experience is uh, brought in papers, please, by Lucas Pope. I mean, similar. When developing the game, we already knew how Papers, Please is being created as well. It was being created, sorry. So we thought that's a good lesson to see that games are capable of such serious emotional experiences. That's one thing. So we were looking at uh, Papers, Please, and at the same time, we remembered a game that was released a few years ago called Spec Ops The Line, in which you play a soldier that is actually uh, later, it turns out he's responsible for hurting civilians in the game. And that game was quite, back in the days, quite shocking. And although being a shooter, it had a strong anti-war message. So I can surely say that was an inspiration, as well as uh, different uh, movies like The Pianist, for example. And I remember a research made by Kacper Kwiatkowski, one of the designers, and he was looking up at different movies and he was checking how emotions are being raised in movies and how we can do that in a game also in in a form of a game because in movies you are a spectator so you can feel a different set of emotions just by seeing a picture in games you are the narrator so possibly games can uh, raise up different sets of emotions as well and actually we did that in this of mine This episode of Plus 7 Intelligence is brought to you by Mr. Koya. Mr. Koya is laser-focused on creating awesome versions of the exact type of shirt that I wear all the time, short-sleeved, button-up shirts. If you like something loud and bold, you can get it there. Or if you're like me and want to be more low-key, they have some sharp, subtle options as well. I got the Mayura design because I'm trying to make bolder style choices, but this one will still fit in at my workplace. Plus, they are committed to sustainable practices that are great for their employees, their customers, and the environment. And they are always looking for ways to take it to the next level. As they put it on their website, it's kind of like Super Mario. You don't get to Yoshi's Island without making it through Iggy's Castle. Go to www.mrkoya.com slash plus7intelligence. And at checkout, enter the code PLUS7 to receive 20% off your order and free shipping when you buy two or more shirts. Plus 7 Intelligence is also supported by another great podcast, The Polygon Show. Each week, four of Polygon's best and brightest gather to cover the latest news, chat about games, and answer your burning questions. Check it out. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. 
It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play. Brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0, or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening. This is a message to all the accountants out there. If you are worried that a robot is going to take your job, become a certified management accountant. You see, we are only programmed to mine data and crunch numbers. You'll have control over the strategy and the decision-making. So become a CMA, and robots like me will help you, not hurt you, unless we short-circuit. Then all bets are off. The CMA certification. You've got to earn it. Visit cmacertification.org for details. Tonight on NBC. Will everyone in the cardiac surgical department please raise your hands? Thank you. You're all fired. Based on an inspiring true story. Any department who places billing above care, you will be terminated. One doctor will break every rule. Just tell me what you need, what your patients need. To inspire a revolution. Let's get into some trouble. Let's be doctors again. From the network that brings you This Is Us, New Amsterdam, tonight on NBC. Your upcoming game, Frostpunk, it's similarly about themes of survival. What themes in particular were you interested in exploring in Frostpunk? Well, on one level, Frostpunk is a further experiment on players' morality. In this sort of mind, we play with morality of individuals. What is good for me may not be good for you. In Frostpunk, we are putting this on a much larger scale and we play with the morality of entire society. And in this game, you play a role of a leader of possibly the last society on Earth, in the last city on Earth. And what you think is good for entire society may not necessarily be good for individuals or in even different situation, people may disagree with you because they don't see the consequences of your choices, but in the long term, you may be the right one. So I think different morality rules apply to societies and different to individuals. And this is what Frostpunk is speaking about. And the other layer is the layer of power, because you play a leader who can create laws, who can apply those laws, who can create customs for the society, and this way you shape the society actively. And on this layer, this level, this game is about responsibility for people. So if you are a a king or a democratically elected leader, you still are responsible for the people. And it shows that responsibility may not always come along with a consensus. So like I said, in the short term, People may think you are making something wrong, but in the long term, you know you've made the right choice, especially if the conditions are hard and the survival is the most important. I think such situation could apply to wartime. From what you're saying, this war of mine was inspired by accounts of real civilians in war zones and 
trying to be as accurate to reality as possible was a guiding force in the design of the game. Frostpunk has kind of a different theme that's that's like a sci-fi or alternate history. How did how did that change how you made decisions for Frostpunk? Well, we've chosen this setting because it fits our universe. So you have industrial revolution of 19th century. People believe everything can be solved thanks to the industrial progress and, and science. And then you have the earth getting frozen and the conditions are incredibly harsh. And in that situation, the society needs to adjust quickly to make it possible to survive. So we've chose this uh, setting being also inspired by ICE, which is the science fiction book by Polish author Jacek Kukaj. However, I think we could have chosen a, a different setting in which same rules apply. So if you're a leader and you need to, and the conditions are harsh, you still need to act quickly and foresee the consequences of, of your choices. And in such meaning, we could have chosen a different setting. Yet, I believe this one was like most interesting for us and, and it fits the overall atmosphere of the game. Taking on these serious topics with a game is is not easy. Not a lot of people attempt to do it. A lot of people probably think that games and serious topics might be in confrontation with each other. What advice do you have for developers out there who are thinking about creating games that get people engaged in these difficult subjects? Well, I think games can talk about any subject as long as gameplay is good, because gameplay is the language of games. In movies, you, you use moving pictures and sound. In, in music, that's music. In books, you use language. Games have gameplay for, for speaking to people, for communicating. So as long as, as gameplay is engaging, you can cover any kind of uh, subject you would like. The tricky part probably is having respect for the topic because the more controversial topic, the more touchy it could be. So there needs to be, to be respect. Uh, however, I believe games have incredible potential to cover all of kind of emotions and, and stories we would like to present to people. So you have funny arcade games, you have sports games, you have shooters, uh, you have story-driven games, you have gameplay-driven games, uh, you have games with a serious topic like ours, with thought-provoking content. So I think there's a space for everything and there shouldn't be no, no limits because we create virtual worlds so as much as they can deliver to people any kind of enjoyment, entertainment, or thought-provoking content, or more serious feeling, or relief, or satisfaction, there's a space for everything as long as gameplay is good. And if you have a controversial topic, there needs to be respect for, for the topic because controversy comes from the fact that one human disagrees with, with uh, another. So you need to keep in mind that both sides of the, the controversy should be approached with uh, respect. My advice would be to focus on the gameplay because the gameplay is the language of games. And if it's good, you can drag, so to speak, people into your story and, and tell them what you, what you want.
So in talking about gameplay and engaging games, this war of mine is you don't talk in terms of fun because the subject isn't fun and your point isn't necessarily for people to have fun. It's for them to engage in the topic. How do you work on gameplay and make good gameplay that's engaging even if it's not fun? Well, that's a bigger question, actually. I've made a GDC talk about it, I think, two or three years ago. And there, there is a certain set of techniques and it heavy, it's heavily dependent on the subject itself. Because one thing is to push players out of the comfort zone. If they are taken out of the comfort zone, they start to play attentively. When they do so, they pay attention to details and then it's really easier to make them attached to the characters they play. Another thing is to use surprises, maybe not the best word, but to create situations which you as a player uh, are not programmed for. So to give you an, an NPC whom you'd not expect or who behaves in an unexpected way because that pushes you out of the comfort zone as well. But like I said, uh, it's, a, it's a really long story because, you know, some, some games are exactly to make you feel good in your comfort zone as a, and be a powerful whoever, as in a power fantasy. Others do opposite. So, so it's heavily dependent on what you want to deliver to the player. But I think most likely is that there needs to be coherent communication between a game and a, and a player. Same when it comes to mechanics within a game. But yet you have to think how to attach player to, to the virtual universe you are creating. So some techniques require you to, let's say, virtually fall in love with the characters. Some may force you out of your comfort zone to make you feel, let's say, unsafe, just to push you, or maybe not push it, that's not the best word, or to make you do things within a game with big attention to details. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to be repetitive, because I really believe it's a long story. But that plays with the fact of that the game can be a power fantasy and on the opposite side, a, a compelling experience. I think even you could join both if you are able to deliver a universe in which mechanics play with you as a player to offer you emotions connected to the both sides. Be it power fantasy, where you're a level 99 wizard, or the, the the compelling experience in which you are struggling to, to survive. Both, it's possible. But anyway, Chess, uh, I, I, I really think it's a longer story. So that, that's why I said it's a very tough question. Yeah, absolutely. No, that definitely was a tough question. But thank you so much for, for attempting to answer it and answering uh, my other questions. And thank you for coming on the show. And at the time of recording... Frostpunk will be out pretty soon. Uh, it'll be out by the time this episode airs. But I uh, wish you the best of luck with your launch and the same to 11-bit. Thank you very much. So let me let me invite people to frostpunkgame.com where they can learn more about the game itself and prepare them for 
engaging yet hardcore survival story with a deep morality layer where you play with good and evil. This is the experiment you're gonna see in Frostpunk plus city building because it's the last city on earth. One thing that stuck out to me when talking with Pavel was that this War of Mine was inspired by other games like Papers, Please and Spec Ops The Line. And in turn, this War of Mine has been an inspiration for other game creators as well. So we're seeing the chain reaction that positive impact games can have. One game going out on a limb inspires someone else to make a game, which pioneers a path for other games to follow, and so on. This is an exciting time in the world of serious games because of the activity going on. And it's great to see a studio return with another hard-hitting game. Since this interview, I got a copy of Frostpunk, and though I haven't been able to play it much, it already showed itself to be a game that would really challenge me. From the very beginning of the game, you are making decisions about which of your citizens get food and heat in the barren frozen wasteland, and whether you will pass laws to allow for child labor or to risk exposure to citizens in order to give the deceased a proper burial. So if you are up for a game that asks tough questions, this is the one for you. That's it for this week's Intelligence Boost. Episodes are coming out weekly until this series on social change is through. Subscribe so you can catch the rest of the series and easily grab all the episodes going back to season one. By the way, the next series is on games and education, so if you have ideas for guests or topics to cover for that series, I'd love to hear those stories. To do so, you can find Plus 7 Intelligence on Twitter, that's at 7 underscore intelligence, or you can join the discussion on the Plus 7 Intelligence community Discord server at discord.gg slash plus 7, that's slash P-L-U-S numeral 7. Thanks for listening. I'll see you in seven. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe. Music for this episode provided by the ever-elusive and mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder.